Things, the podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York, in Nick's office. I'm Allie Fessmeyer. <laughs> I'm Nick Gunning. And today we're doing something special. Ooh. We've alluded to the fact that we are going to be soon kind of refreshing the podcast. That's right. Does it count as a spinoff? Would we count it as a spinoff of House Things? That's what I want to know. It's more fun if we say it's a spinoff. It's a spinoff. So I say yes. It's a spinoff. Yep. We're doing a spinoff. We're going to open a bakery together and uh, adopt some dogs. And I would love to open do, a bakery. Would you? That sounds fun. You know I what? don't bake that much, so it's probably a terrible idea. This town needs a bakery. It does. It I think really about does. this all the time. Like I, twice a week, I really want a croissant. Yes, I know. And what am I gonna do? Like occasionally, Giant will have croissants, but it's not predictable yes, enough. Yes, I know. But what I want is to like just be walking with headphones on and walk into a bakery that smells good mm-hmm. and get like a croissant or a Danish and a coffee and just like sit there or, for like, twenty five minutes. Danishes. Yes, and then just like go to work. So. If anybody out there wants to open up some sort of bakery here in Wellsville, you would have two loyal customers. Two loyal customers. And I will just seed that I think the Stillwater's place with like the cute yeah. little outdoor patio. It does have would that patio. Would be a fantastic location. That's true. For any possible bakery Oh yeah, You could get some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a great idea. All these are great ideas, but I feel I've gotten us off track. Okay. So a few details about our spinoff. Yes. The title is, But Have You Tried? Mm -hmm. And the idea is we're going to take turns suggesting something for the other person to try. Yeah. And then we're going to discuss them. In between, we'll have an episode where we just talk about stuff we've been reading, watching. Yeah. Eating, that'll that'll give the other one time to investigate the assigned topic. Right. So yes. we'll have that one where we're important. still we'll still do readers advisory and talk about the things we've been reading and watching, as Ali said. So yeah, it's gonna be a good time. So for today, Nick, have yes. you ever tried the movie I'm Your Woman? You know what, Allie? I have. <laughs> It was recommended to me by you. Oh, wow. It was assigned to me by you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when you said that, I initially thought that you meant uh, that movie with Michelle Pfeiffer, but that's I I Will Never Be Your Woman. Okay. That's Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. That's Michelle Pfeiffer and Paul Rudd. I mean, that sounds like a lot. It's a rom com, and it is really good. It is really good. Have so. we ever talked about the fact that Paul Rudd just always is the same age, no matter well, what? Well, yeah. I mean, that's just a fact. That's just a weird fact. I just it is, it is a strange fact, but true. I recently turned 40, as you may or may not be aware. And on my 40th birthday, we watched the Paul Rudd, Leslie Mann movie, um, This Is 40. Have you ever seen it? I don't think I have. There was that movie Knocked Up that came up forever ago with Katherine Heigl and Seth Rogen. And Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann played like supporting characters in that. So This Is Us is a spinoff, oh. kind of like the new podcast of that movie. And I watched it forever ago when it came out, and I liked it. And so we were like, oh, let's watch it now. And it definitely hit differently watching it as a 40-year-old. Uh, yeah, so that was a good time. But yes, Paul Rudd is ageless. He's good in that movie. And it's funny because it's Paul Rudd and Michelle Pfeiffer, and then they're together in the Ant-Man movie, only they don't play love interests um, in the Ant-Man movie. So Is Michelle Pfeiffer in the Ant-Man movie? Yeah, she's the Wasp. 
I have a pop figure in my office right now of Michelle Pfeiffer as the Wasp. Have you not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp? I haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay, there you go. But I saw the first Ant-Man. Yeah, she's not in that. Okay, okay. Remember they talk about her. They talk about Janet being missing and trapped in like the microverse or whatever. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is really good. I want to see it. There's no good reason that I haven't. I just haven't. Okay. All right. So anyway, all that to say, this movie is not that movie, but... um, as I was a terrible student, I got to tell you that oh. right up front, I was the king of doing the minimal amount of work while achieving the most I could. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? So it was like, what's so the bare like minimum? Like the Cliff Notes kind of situation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how many papers I wrote and printed and then presented in class while they were still warm from the printer. That was how I rolled in the olden days. As long as you know the printer will work, I say that's fine. Do you? You support that? Well, you- if, if you think the printer might be like... Well, about to breathe yeah. its last and you're going to have a problem, I recommend printing at least the night before. Okay. But that means you have to have written it at least by the night before yeah. rather than finishing it in the library that morning. What kind of... Were you... You seem like somebody who would be way ahead of the game. Well, what, I was usually ahead of the game in terms of like I would have enough time to okay. finish Like I wouldn't be like 15 minutes before finishing it, but I would usually print it pretty close to the actual okay. class okay. time. Okay, Which right. could potentially be, you know, flirting with yeah, danger that's if the true. printer goes kaput That is on true. You. you never know. You never know but. what's going to happen. But anyway, I, I this time I did my due diligence. I did my homework. I looked it up. Um, and I watched it. I watched it. Uh, it's, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, and I hate to give them business because Amazon is my mortal I enemy. Know. But I did. I did watch it. Came out in 2020. Great year. Phenomenal great, year. Great year. Uh, rated R. Mm-hmm. Directed by Julia Hart, and she. I, I looked her up, and she's also the writer director of a movie called Fast Color. Have you seen Fast Color? I don't think I have. Uh, this was one that was on my list forever, and I finally watched it probably in 2020, and it's pretty good. It's about this woman who. It's not a superhero movie, but she has sort of like meta-human abilities, and it's okay. kind of about dealing with that. So it's a very atypical, hmm. like, I wouldn't classify it as a superhero movie mm-hmm. other than the fact that she has powers. That sounds cool. But it was good, and it was interesting, and it had sort of the the, the moodiness and, and um, kind of a noir feel that this movie had here today. Uh, here are the stars of this movie. Rachel, do you say Brosnahan? How do you say her name? That's how I have said it, but right. I don't know if I've ever actually right. heard... Any any reputable person okay. say it. So. I mean, just based on phonics, that's how that's, you say it. That's how it so, seems like it should be said. I'm gonna lock that in. Uh, she was Jean in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I haven't seen at all. It's great. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I loved Gilmore Girls back in the day. Same creator, same writer. I enjoyed. I didn't watch all of Gilmore Girls. Okay. But what I watched, I enjoyed. I don't know how well Gilmore Girls would hold up. I. It's not been one I've been tempted to revisit. I liked it as it was coming out. I feel like it's the kind of thing that I look back and I'm like, how was this a show? Like, <laughs> like what is this even about? I yeah. don't understand. But I enjoyed it at the time. Okay. When we first started, my family's first started watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Okay. I was convinced that Rachel Brosnahan and Alexis Bledel were the same person. They do look similar. They do, but I spent the whole time thinking she was Evan Rachel Wood. Do you know Evan Rachel Wood? I don't think so. You need to look her up because, like, I showed a picture of her to my wife and she was like, no, that's the lady from the movie. And I'm like, it's not. This is Evan Rachel Wood. Anyway, uh, she was also in Patriot's Day and Crisis in Six Scenes, which is a a Woody Allen show. It's like a six episode thing, (laughs) which I really liked. So I've seen her in other things, just not this. Uh, I also um, had seen Marsha Stephanie Black, who plays Terry in the movie. She was in How to Get Away with Murder, which I've seen some of. And Orange is the New Black, which I've seen none of. Mm. Have you seen either of those shows? I have shows? not seen it. Okay. Probably not one for... It's probably not a family watch. 
I would say. Mm. (laughs) We have Eren Ziken as Cal, who I really liked him. I thought his performance was just really good. It was so understated, but also like so much was going on. Mm -hmm. And that's such a difficult balance, I feel like, to strike. And he he did such a great job. I liked him quite a lot. Uh, He was in shows like The Informer and Flack. Plus, he had a bit part in The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, a movie that I hate. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever discussed that. Oh, do you like it? I liked it. Okay. Like, yeah. I feel like my struggle with that movie is that it couldn't decide whether it wanted to be like a 90s kids movie or like a serious adult wizard movie. Mm. And I get stuck on that kind of thing. I also felt like it was, for it to be like, this is the American wizarding school. It couldn't have been more British if it tried. Like everything about it was so British. <laughs> That's really true. Yes? Actually. Okay. Which like. Oh, well, there you go. I haven't seen any of I don't, like, I don't know. I'm fine with things being British, but it is true that it's weird to be like, ah, American British school. Let's make it It, have a very British tone. Well, there was a scene later on where where they're all, like, having tea, and my wife was like, just have them have coffee, and it'll feel like America. But they didn't. They were like, more tea. It's not his fault, though. It's not this actor's fault. He was great. We have Frankie Faison as Art, the grandpa. He was in Luke Cage and Banshee, plus a lot of 80s movies like The Money Pit and Coming to America, old school stuff. Uh, we have Marceline Hugo as Evelyn. She's in a movie called Mr. Harrigan's Phone, which is a adaptation of a Stephen King short story. It starred Donald Sutherland, which I just watched. It was really good. I didn't recognize her from that, but she was in it. Who is Evelyn? I saw this movie in 2020. And that... Evelyn is the, the neighbor lady. Okay. I have some serious thoughts about Evelyn, so... We're okay. going to have to discuss. We can, we can Listen, get into it. We're going to try to not give away like the really crucial details, but we can't discuss without some spoilers. So I think that's If you want to pause and thing. go watch I Am Your Woman. You totally should. You should. It's great. It is good. I do recommend it. I liked it. Anyway, she was in that. She was in Dickinson, which you would definitely like. I definitely would. Okay. And 30 Rock. Finally, we have Bill Heck as Eddie. He was in Lock and Key in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I think I'm the only person in the world who liked. Did you like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man? I haven't actually seen those. Oh, but you saw the new, like, No Way Home? Yes. Oh, well, you're missing some emotional well, beats then if you haven't. I know enough about what goes on to why yeah. I feel like you at least understand sure. the emotional beats. Yeah. And again, it's like ones that it's like there's no good reason why I haven't yeah. seen them. I yeah. want to. Mm-hmm. Every time I've watched those movies, my opinion has changed on them. I was like, I like it. I don't. I like it. I don't. I pretty consistently like the second one with Jamie Foxx because it is such a such a vibrant like comic book movie. It feels more comic book like comic book e. It feels like comic book panels in a way that the other Marvel stuff hadn't to me. So I appreciated that. But I think it kind of bombed. So whatever. But this dude was in that any voice gambit in the Wolverine podcast. <laughs> How do you feel about narrative podcasts? I've never really thought about it. Okay. Do you ever listen to them? Like I fiction don't think podcasts? So. I I guess I didn't really realize that was a thing. Oh really? I listen to a bunch of Welcome to Night Vale and I listen to Empty. I don't know. It's it's not my go to thing. But the, yeah, there's a whole like niche market out there for I don't think it's niche anymore. I think it's like mainstream, so I guess we're out of touch. I guess. Okay. Um, yeah, all right, so that's that's the basic beats of the cast and crew. The general plot summary, uh, set in the seventies and it has a very I like that it's both set in the 70s and feels like a movie that was made in the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is a real throwback to movies of that time, you know, like um, Three Nights of the Condor. It, it just feels, it feels like that. It, the way it's shot, the way it's paced, it, it has the old school feel, which I think is a nice touch. I liked that a lot. 
But this woman, Jean, is married to this guy, Eddie, and Eddie brings home a kid, and suddenly they have a kid, and it's kind of a, like, how did this happen? Mm -hmm. And you get right away that Eddie's maybe not great, that Eddie's uh, into some shady stuff. I feel like there's definitely, especially in the beginning, this just, like, undercurrent of, like, unsettling something's mm -hmm. off. Yeah. Yeah. He, the the uh, actor, Bill Heck, I think does a really nice job of, he's never mean, he never raises his voice, but there's something that's, like, menacing and aggressive about even calm things he does. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a moment where he closes the door when she's in the kitchen, and it's just like, ooh, some bad stuff's about to happen. Uh, so I like that quite a bit. But... Early, very early. I mean, this is like the synopsis on Amazon. We don't know where Eddie is, and Eddie's like right hand man comes and gets Gene and the baby whose name is I don't remember Henry. That Hank? sounds right. Something, it's something like, that. like that. Harry. It's Harry. Harry. The baby's It's like name a very Harry. generic yeah. kind of name. It's an old man name. Uh, he's like, you gotta just get money and and get clothes and get out of here and you gotta hide. And then Cal, this is where Cal comes into the story, and he's like the driver, and he's going to get her like established in a safe house. And the movie just sort of goes from there. Clearly, like they're in danger. Clearly, they're being watched. You don't know Cal's backstory. Uh, a family comes into play later on, and she's kind of working with them, and there's other kids involved. Um, and they're just like constantly running, and they have close calls. And then, of course, you know, you get the resolution, and you kind of figure out what's going on. And we'll, we'll pause before uh, saying that. But... It did a really nice job, I think, pacing-wise, of keeping that tension throughout mm -hmm. without it getting boring. I felt like when we're in the second safe house and the, the family comes into play, I felt like that changed it a little bit in a way that I didn't like. Like, I liked it when she was alone more than I liked it when there was a bigger group. How do mm. you feel? Well, see, I feel like I just liked the family so much. Yeah. That that probably colors my view. True. I mean, the yeah, performances like, were all good. I found the experience of her just like being alone in the safe house with this child that she barely knows how to take care right, of. Right, yeah. Really unsettling in a way that's fascinating, but that I feel like if it was the entire movie, I would just get super antsy. True. The panic that she feels when she realizes that Cal's not going to stay, where she's like, I've never been alone. I don't know how to do anything. Mm -hmm. And he basically is like, don't talk to anybody. Don't connect with anybody. There's a phone like in the drawer. If it's an emergency, plug it in. And that's it. I mean, that's her only lifeline. She just needs to stay there quietly with food and a baby that she doesn't know how to raise. And it goes badly, I would say. <laughs> it does. But And I also, I really like the other mom character from that family. Terry, yeah. Their dynamic, her and the main woman. Yeah, And yeah. so I feel like... Well, and as you find out what their connection is a little bit later on, that, mm -hmm. that adds a level to the story that I think is really interesting. I agree. Um, the thing that I wanted to talk to you about is... So in the in the middle sequence, when she's in the first safe house, and mm -hmm. we have the next door neighbor coming and being a little—I mean, not nosy, not pushy, but like a little weird. Yeah, weird. She's got a weird energy. And then they have the dinner. She mentions that her friends lived there before, and then she asks where the bathroom is. And Jean is kind of like, "Well, if your friends lived here, don't you know?" And she's like, "Oh, right, I forgot." There's and it's it doesn't resolve. Like it doesn't. It doesn't really resolve if Evelyn was working with the bad guys or not. But she's definitely so sus. She is. But do you think, like, I mean, you're supposed to speculate. Do you think? See, like, on the one hand, yes. On the other hand, like, this is like 70s mobster kind of stuff. Yeah. And I just don't know if being like, yeah, this old woman is part of it. Yeah. Makes sense in that kind of context. But I think it. I think it could. I think it certainly could. Like a twist like that, 
could be part of it. And I, I think it's really clever, like in the writing and directing, that mm-hmm. they never, you never get a satisfying answer. I think you could claim either side with a pretty strong case. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That you could be like, no, she was just wrong place, wrong time. Or, yeah. I mean, she might not have been working with the bad guys, but I don't think she was just like a totally in this window. Like, oh, no, no. Definitely something, there's something shady about her. I yeah. just don't know if yeah. it's that. Yeah, that was maybe my favorite part of the movie because I, like, the movie ended and I was like, so was Evelyn in on it? Was Evelyn bad? I don't know. And I really liked that. I liked that it wasn't resolved. One thing that uh, I loved the cars. I love that kind of car, like Mm -hmm. late 70s, 80s, like those big boat cars. And I kept noticing them and I looked it up and IMDb had a little thing about that, how they they had a couple of cars that they used over and over and over again. So I wasn't crazy. They were using the same cars over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, but there was some fun car chases. I like that Jean was not... She's not a particularly strong character. Nor, Especially not at the beginning of the movie. No. Again, and, see also how she's like, I've never been alone. I don't know what to do. How right, do I care for this child? Right. I can't crack an egg. Yeah. And while she's not... I mean, you know, it's it becomes pretty obvious that, that Eddie is bad. Mm-hmm. Not just from that initial scene. Like, that's fleshed out. And it's also clear that she knows that and is just kind of okay with it mm-hmm. i mean or at least that she has an, a sense although maybe not necessarily to the extent it's like she knows something is up and she's just kind of like okay right. we're gonna not right just she's gonna not look not figure she's out what's choosing going on. not to ask questions that she doesn't want to know the answer to so i think giving her i think that's also an interesting choice from like mm-hmm. a, a, a writing standpoint she doesn't have a free pass like she's not this good person you know what i mean like she's not evil but she's kind of a little bit complicit yeah she is Mm -hmm. she is i mean she's she's enjoying the lifestyle that like whatever he's doing is bringing and Mm -hmm. she knows that he's not a dentist or something you know yes so i like i like that you know that she sort of gets dragged further into this world and then just has to deal with it and i like the way that she does because it's kind of artless like she's not graceful about Mm -hmm. the stuff that she has to do but she does it in a way that I think is very, like, realistic. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're in a crazy situation and certain things. And it's like you just have to cope. Yeah. 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 So tell me about, like, how did you find this movie and why Why did you like it? Why did you think I should watch it? I think I saw trailers of this around the time it was coming out. And I was like, it looks cool. Woman-led, vaguely action-y yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. And also it's... Rachel Brosnahan, yeah. so, like, yeah. how can you not, you right. know? This is after, I forget how many seasons of Mrs. Maisel, mm-hmm. but I already knew I was a fan of her. And so I suggested to my family, because, of course, that's just always yeah. what I do, yeah. that we watch this, and I wasn't sure quite what to expect from it, but it it was different from what I expected, and I really enjoyed it. And it was one that I thought was really well done, but that I feel like I've heard like zero discourse on. No, I haven't like, heard anything anyone about I it. Anyone I talk to is like, I've never even heard of that movie, yeah. much less seen it. And so I, that's part of why I recommended it to you because yeah. I was like, I feel like no, this is a good one that just kind of snuck under the rug. And I have actually like bumped into it before. Like I've looked at it and I've read that synopsis, but I can't do Kids in Peril, and so I was like, oh, I, maybe not. I'll just skip it, and I just never thought about it again. Mm-hmm. Do you like, I mean, do you, do you like that kind of movie in general? Do you like, like you said, sort of vaguely action-y, like, suspense kind of movies? Yeah, I feel like ones that that have that kind of undercurrent of, like, things are going on and you have to figure out what, and it's like, like spy movies and that kind of thing. 
I feel like I do okay. tend to enjoy. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have any complaints or criticisms. I think it was a really. I think it was a really good movie. And like I said, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm super picky about like tone and pace, and I felt like it. It really kept that up pretty well. You know, mm-hmm. I, it. I think it's hard when, when so much is like baked into the story that that the main character doesn't know and never mm-hmm. really knows. You know, so when you have that as part of it that's just kind of like yeah bad stuff's going on we don't know what it is i think that's extra hard to make that mm-hmm. satisfying and make the danger seem real you know while being kept in the dark but i think they did a really good job on it so yeah i think it worked overall good so choice. the verdict is yeah a thumbs up yeah the verdict is good uh yeah this movie was good but have you tried the majestic you know i actually Jim just Carrey? recently recently did watch that you did okay I, I have no idea why. Okay. You definitely didn't tell me. No, 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 it. no. Just, just complete coincidence. Just complete coincidence. Before we get into that, why don't we take a break and uh, see what's on our nightstands? We should absolutely do that. Okay. So what do you got going on lately? What are you reading? What are you watching? So I'm currently reading two Terry Pratchett books at the same time. Oh. What? Why? Well, why would you do that? So, you know how the Discworld is like this giant, extensive thing with like some 60 books or something like that? I do. Which means that some of them are almost like they're part of different series. Yes. So you could just read them at the same time as though they're different series, and it's fine. Right, but wouldn't that be confusing? No. Okay. So the ones I'm reading is A Hat Full of Sky, which is about Tiffany Aching. So it's a young witch. Okay. She goes away to learn witch stuff from another witch. Sure, okay. It's, I think it's a YA book, and it has kind of like a youthful, vaguely lighthearted feel. And then the other one I'm reading is Witches Abroad, which is about three entirely different witches traveling across the disc yeah. to stop a, like, Ella, like Cinderella figure, essentially, oh, okay. from marrying okay. the prince right. for plot reasons. Okay. And so the characters are entirely different. The only thing that's the same is the setting, kind of. Okay. And so... It's not as confusing as you would expect. But, well, but why? Like, why have you chosen to read both of them simultaneously? Well, one of them is an audiobook. Uh, and I okay. always need to have an audiobook and a non-audiobook going yep. at the same time the same. for my sanity. Yeah. And so these were the options, and I just went for it. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I, in my head, I always confuse Terry Pratchett and Terry Brooks because they're both like fantasy authors with weird interconnected stories. But Terry Brooks is like the Shannara Chronicles and things like that. Oh. And is Terry Pratchett... I always have the impression that those are like funny. They like, are funny. Is that part of it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah. They're funny and like, I would say they're they're on the lighter end in terms of fantasy. Like they're not super like so much backstory, okay. really long, sprawling, and expand. Like I mean, there's just so many books that it kind of adds up. Yeah. But each individual book, I'd say, isn't too like deep into the okay. fantasy stuff. So if you're like kind of a wimp about fantasy the way that I am. As am I. <laughs> they might be a good choice for you. Yeah, okay. And they're also funny. We, you know, last year we did a sci-fi book club where we did like a pod of three books. And we're going to do that again later in the year. But we're we're gearing up for a fantasy pod. Uh-huh. And I am, yeah, like I just, fantasy is just not for me. So I'm sort of dreading it, but I'm really going to like try. I'm really going to like try to dive into these. And uh, well, I think we're going to do, I think we're going to do Fellowship of the Ring, which is a big undertaking. 
Uh, we're going to do Eyes of the Dragon, which is a Stephen King novel, which I just found out both Nikki, uh, who works here at the library and Circulation, and Catherine Elliott, who's our new auditorium and gallery coordinator, both love this book. Hmm. So we're going to talk about that. And then I think we're going to do Robert Jordan's Eye of the World, uh, which I have read because uh, my wife is a, a huge fan of those. But um, I've, I've been doing a little bit of fantasy watching. I love Willow. You know, the old Willow movie, you ever, Ron Howard? I haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, and I've watched the first couple episodes of the show, and I'm into that. And then my wife and I just started watching Rings of Power. Okay. The, uh, the Lord of the Rings show. Have you watched that at all? I have not. How do you feel about Lord of the Rings in general? I'm a fan. Are you? Yeah. Like, have not you, like a mega fan. Have you read any of the books? I've read all of them. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, can I handle it? What do you think? Fellowship of the Ring? Can I think I get, you can handle it. Do you? Okay. That one isn't too... It's not too much. I've read The Hobbit, and I've read some of Tolkien's like epic poems. Like He did a King Arthur one, and he did a Beowulf one. And I read and enjoyed those, but I have never sat down and like, I'm going to read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I think so you can do it. Maybe this the is Fellowship, I feel like, especially has some really fun moments in okay. it. Okay. So, All right. I believe in you. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I read some Spider-Man recently. Well, actually, uh, Scarlet Spider and Carnage. Do you know Scarlet Spider at all? Do you know? No, that sounds intriguing. There was a whole, like in the 80s, there was this whole Spider-Man clone saga where there was like mm. these clones of Peter Parker. And then there was this big twist that everybody hates where it was like the Spider-Man you've thought was Spider-Man for the last like decade is not really him. He's the clone. And this guy is the real Spider-Man. Everybody despised this. Um, so they did a new clone era not too long ago. And there's a like an evil clone of Spider-Man called Kane. And so there's this offshoot book called The Scarlet Spider where Kane goes to Texas to like start anew and kind of gets dragged into being a reluctant superhero. That sounds kind of fun. It is fun. It's interesting. It's uh, the supporting cast is totally different. It doesn't like he has Spider-Man powers and it looks like Peter Parker, but it doesn't really read like a Spider-Man story at all hmm. because it's just a totally different thing. Right. I was reading along with that, and I got pulled into a crossover about Carnage, who I do not like. Are you familiar with Carnage? Mm-mm. Have you seen the Venom movies? No. Okay. So it's it's basically Venom and the Scarlet Spider, who are both kind of reluctant heroes, have to team up to fight Carnage, who is just evil. Like, that's his thing. He's just evil. I mean, with a name like Carnage. Yeah, he's just a serial killer who got a symbiote, like Venom, but he was already a serial killer, so it's, so uh, it's bad news bears. It's yeah. bad news all around. So I didn't love that Carnage crossover, but I'm liking the Scarlet Spider. Uh, and then I read Devil May Care by Sebastian Fox, which is a James Bond book. Oh. How do you feel about James Bond? I have seen a few James like Bond movies. Recent James Bond movies or like old school James um, Bond movies? I saw Dr. No okay. and I saw Casino Royale. So oh. a little bit of both. Okay. All right. <laughs> so which is an interesting choice. I like Dr. No. Dr. No is pretty solid. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was somewhat bizarre. Yes. I would say. Yes. Well, Dr. No with like the metal hands and the yeah. whole like island lair is very, very like it's 1960s. It's very Bond villain, you know? <laughs> it is. Yes. He's, he is definitely, uh, he's definitely one. But Casino Royale, I love. I thought that was really good. I Did you like that? I thought it was that? really good as well. I also have to say there's like a, I want to say it's like a late night show clip where they like edit it. So it's one of the gambling scenes, but instead of poker chips, it's cheesecake. Because there was <laughs> this incident. That. Where Senator Chuck Schumer, like, made some comment about using cheesecake for bets. Yes. And they were like, yes. let's go. And that just, like, it brings a positive shine to my memories of the movie as yeah. a whole whenever I think of that. And I also remember the cheesecake thing. Yeah. Casino Royale by Ian Fleming is a great book. I, I think, you know, the old the older Bond books are just inherently sexist. I mean, that's just 
there's no way around that, you know. And some of it, some of it, a small part of it, is kind of a, a kind of a take on toxic masculinity, but it is just it's primarily just sexist. It's just like James Bond is just, you know, the, the 1950s ideal man mm-hmm. who women love and he can do anything he wants. That's just sort of the way they are. So this one that I read, I liked because it is, um, it's a one-off, came out in 2008. It's, it's Sebastian Fox is the author, but he wrote it in the style of Ian Fleming. Like he followed mm. Ian Fleming's notes on how he would produce these James Bond books and tried to do it in that way. I've read a bunch of the Fleming books, and it is a really good match, but That's it has, cool. and it still has like the James Bond tropes that you would right. expect. It's you know, but it is it's much more. It just has more of a modern sensibility, I think, than the old one. So it was kind of a neat revisit of that. And I wish he'd written more, but it, uh, it's just the one. But I like that quite a bit. Uh, have you watched anything good? So Caleb and I just like binge watched the entirety of Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. It was like we watched yeah. the first episode on Thursday night and we watched the last episode on Tuesday morning kind of a situation. Wow. What is it like eight episodes? Eight episodes. Eight episodes. But like okay. not too hard to binge over, you know, yeah. four days, but also like we enjoyed it. And yeah. so we watched it all very quickly and now it's gone, which is really the problem. It's coming back, right? They're going to do more? They're going to do a okay. season two, but like yeah. who knows how long it'll yeah. take for that to come around. I was so. just in the Adams Family. As you recall. I know. So, it's just like I, uh, there's something in the air. I guess. Adam's yeah. It's Adam's fever. I have watched the first two episodes, I think, and I like I intend to finish it, but it's one that my wife wasn't into, so I was just going to watch it by myself, and I just... That slows That always down. goes slower, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm doing that and A League of Their Own, uh, which I really like, but those are both slow. Things that I finished... I finally finished Batwoman. Oh. Have you watched any of Batwoman? It's a, I, I've heard much about it secondhand. It's but just not a hot mess of a show. It. it really is. But I kind of liked the groove they were getting into, and I was I was sad when it was canceled. It's three seasons. Um, it's the only the second Arrowverse show that I've ever finished. Just Arrow and now Batwoman. The other ones I've like completely fallen off of. But it was it was pretty solid. I feel like it came to a satisfying conclusion. I would have watched more, but I get why you know why it ended. But I, I really liked the character they created because that was the one where they we they switched Batwoman, you know. Which is definitely a challenge. It is, and they pretty successfully restructured the show. But like, season two was kind of dealing with the fact that we're restructuring the show, right? And season three um, told a lot of cool Batman stories, but ended in a place where it was like, and this is the new like Ryan Wilder era of the show like this is what the show is going to be and then canceled so it kind of feels like Mm. it had so much baggage that it never really got a chance to Mm -hmm. be its own kind of thing which i think is too bad and i i hope that they bring that uh, character into the comics they have a little bit in small ways but it would be cool to have her like mainstream because i think she was a good addition to the bat family overall Uh, so i watched that and i watched avatar 2 have you seen I've seen Avatar One. I've seen parts of Avatar One. Okay. I think it was like an incident where my dad put it on and I was sick. Yeah. And so I was like watching it, but I was like, I don't know if I actually want to watch this. And then I like went to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Which sounds like a really harsh critique, but it was because I was sick. You know, like I watched the first one when it came out. I saw it in theaters and like it was it was very especially then it was incredibly visually mm-hmm. impressive. It was just like, wow, I haven't seen anything like this. Um the second one, it was sort of like I kind of did and didn't want to see it. And I was like, well, <laughs> if I'm going to see it, I want to see it like in the big screen. So, Reasonable. Uh, yeah. So my brother and my friend Michael, uh, they took me out for my birthday and we saw it in 3D. And 
it was pretty solid. I mean, it's three and a half hours, you know? So, yeah. So it's definitely not one that I would probably like the first Avatar. Like, I doubt that I will ever watch this movie again. But I had a pretty good time watching it overall. There's one scene that is like, um, I mean, it's clearly just like the whaling industry, but like on the Avatar mm. world. And I legit had to leave the theater because it was just too upsetting. I couldn't take it. That's awful. I was like, this is a good time for a bathroom break. So mm, that's I never. I hate when I'm watching a movie in theaters because, like, at home you can like be like, "Oh, I'm covering yeah. my eyes. I'm looking away." But in yeah. theaters, it's like there's it's no right escape. There. There's no escape. I guess the sounds... I'll just go stand in the bathroom for ten minutes and hope that's long enough. Yes, not a good feeling. No, not a good. You know, you saying you watch while you were sick reminded me that I was sick recently because I got my COVID booster. And these things hit me weird. My wife was pretty okay, but like anything with a fever, and I'm just like out of commission. Just like. I'm done. Just put me in a coffin. That's it. Uh, so I was bedridden. And so I watched the Steve Martin Pink Panther movies in the oh. middle of the night. In the middle of the night? <laughs> yes. Because I was like a thousand degrees and I couldn't sleep. And I was like, I'm not going to lay here and be miserable anymore. So I was miserable while watching the Pink Panther That's movies. Really have you watched these? I don't think I have. Listen, they're objectively bad movies. So just, <laughs> just accept that. But for some reason... I like Steve Martin, you know, and there's these very, like, funny sequences and quotable lines, and, like, I feel like it's my brother and I are the only people in the world who like these movies, but it got me through. It got me through a high fever, so that's all thank that you, matters. Steve Martin. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think that's uh, that's pretty much it for me. Other than that, uh, my night... What are you, what's currently on the old nightstand? What are you currently reading? You said the two Pratchett books. The two books. Pratchett books. Okay. All right. I'm reading the book for our book club, which is uh, World War II... Uh, fiction. We're alternating between fiction and nonfiction. We're on a fiction round this time. And so uh, that's my audiobook at the moment. And I'm reading War and Peace with, uh, with a friend yeah. of mine. Yeah. Um, there's this blog that does like a year of War and Peace because it's like, it really works long. out really well. It's, yeah, but it's like 350 chapters. Oh. And the chapters are probably like five pages each. So you just read a chapter a day, and then there's like a little blog post that goes with it if you want to read that. And then he and I have been sort of like, well, how are you liking it? So it's fun. That it's a good fun. way. Yeah. It's been one I, I've wanted to read, but it's just so massive that mm-hmm. I was, I just I you. haven't, you know. I'm still at the midway point of Les Mis. Sometimes I have to get back to that. Have you read that at all? I read like a adapted for children version when okay. I was like... Oh, I love 11. those. I love those. It was interesting. I have, I've literally read 700 pages of that book. And I got to this, like, kind of a splitting point, And I was like, I'm going to take a break. That was, like, 10 years ago, I want to say. So but I still got it all right up here. So maybe I'll get back to it. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't even remember Evelyn from I'm Your Woman, which I watched two That's years true. ago. So That's true. I, I think admire... she was evil. I'm sure she I was I think evil. she was. You are. Well... <laughs> I don't know what what variety of evil, but she but was definitely evil. She was evil. Okay. All right. So, yes. So, now let's get back to it. So, you have tried. I have tried The, the Majestic. Majestic. All right. Which is a movie that I will say I had never heard of before. I don't think anybody's heard of it. Well, I guess it's just the day for like movies no one's heard of. I guess so. All right, All right. hit me. Do you got some facts? I'm going to hit you with some facts. I have your facts here if this is easier for you. This works. Okay. Okay. The Majestic. Mm-hmm. This was a 2001 movie. Okay. Which I will say I was watching this and for like the first 45 minutes I was like, when was this made? Yeah. Doesn't it feel like 1950s almost? It really does. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was like the moment when I saw Ron Rifkin, who plays just like kind of a side character, yeah. who's in the show Alias that also came out around 2001. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he looked exactly the same. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on? Yeah. And so that was when I was like, we need to do a quick Google when uh-huh. this come out. Uh-huh. So it came out in 2001, folks. That makes sense because I remember seeing it at the Lakeview Square Mall, Battle Creek, Michigan. Oh. And I'm pretty sure I was still in high school. Like, I think it came out during my, like the last semester of my senior year. I was school. one in 2001. You can see you were alive at least. Yeah, I was. That's something. Yeah. That's interesting. Only growing up in the 2000s. I can't even imagine that. It's like I was I was there for part of the 90s, but I don't really remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. I just think it's such an interesting time like the like the 80s to the 2000s just because like how drastically like has society ever changed as drastically as it did from like pre-internet to post-internet? I don't think like, it I has. don't think so either. Like, the printing press was also a big deal, and kind of similar in some ways, yeah, but I feel okay. like the internet All right. probably has it beat, I would I, say. I, I could see, I think that's a good comparison, though. Like, to, to have access to books, you know, right. is like a huge, huge right. deal. It's like, I mean, that's so, kind of what we're all about true. here, so. <laughs> that's true. Thanks, Johan. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway, well, yes, please. Let me hit you with some more facts. Tell me. This was directed and produced by Frank Darabont, uh, written by that. Michael Sloan. Okay, I don't know those names. Do you know anything else they did? I don't know anything about okay. those names. Okay, all right. Starring Jim Carrey as Peter slash Luke. I'm pretty sure I've never seen anything else Jim Carrey was in. What? <laughs> what? Like, I did a little bit of looking. Actually, most of these, char- most of these like, cast people, I, like, did some, like, peeking around at their, like, movies and ne- things they've been in. And I <laughs> never was, like... in your life have you seen a Jim Carrey in anything? I don't think <laughs> so. This is why this podcast is a good idea, Allie, because that... <laughs> That just, that just blew my mind. We have it on film. I just, I just lost it for a second there. Oh, man. Uh, well, what a weird, what a weird one to choose then for your first Jim Carrey movie. Wow. Okay. All right. Now, I'm trying to think like recently, what would make sense? Like Mr. Popper's Penguins or like. Anything like that? I feel like that's... I read that's... the book of Mr. Popper's Penguin. It doesn't count. You Don't... didn't see the Sonic the Hedgehog movie that just came out? Nope. or And none of the classic canon like Ace Ventura or The Mask or... I don't think so. Wow. Okay. All yep. right. Yep. I've just been, you know, committing well, this crime against humanity. Jim Carrey, you know, is, is primarily known for like his rubber face comedy stylings, but he's got these... There's more, but I would I feel like the three movies that showcase like what a truly like great actor he is, I think are The Majestic, The Truman Show, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It, I have seen that. Oh, okay. I was gonna say if there's any movie you have to watch, it's that one. I have seen it. Yes. Who is he in that? He's the main character. He's the main guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's so atypical. Like if, if you know Jim Carrey from like pop culture, it makes sense that you wouldn't have equated the two because that's right. such a deep and understated performance versus something like Ace Ventura. I really liked Eternal Sunshine. Oh, I do too. I thought it was great. It's a great movie. It's a great cast. I'm like trying to like compare in my mind and see if it makes sense that it's the same person. Those are somewhat concurrent. I mean, within five years or so, I would say, of The Majestic. That's an early 2000s movie. I'm pretty sure. I think. Okay. All right. So at least you've seen one. Okay. All right. All right. Yes. So Jim Carrey. Okay. Then we've got Martin Lando as Harry Trimble. Who is sort of the sort of a father figure yeah. to yeah. Jim Carrey, the main as, character, as it comes out. Yeah, as it comes out. I knew him from Mission Impossible. He was in the old Mission Impossible series. I have not seen Mission. You Impossible. You haven't seen it. Okay. But he is apparently in North by Northwest. 
I don't oh. remember who he is in North okay. Northwest. He's got the look. He's got the look he for does. a Hitchcock film. Yeah. And so, which, what a weird movie. Like, I feel like North by Northwest is one you watch. seems all normal at the time. And then you think back on it and you're like, yeah, what just happened? Yeah. It's a strange, it's a good one. I think it's, I, I really enjoyed like it. it. It's Cary Grant, right? That's Cary Grant in North I think by so, Northwest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good stuff. We also have Lori Holden as Adele, who's someone who looked immensely familiar to me. And I don't she, think I've seen anything else nothing. she's been in. Okay. All right. And then we have Jerry Black as Emmett Smith and mm-hmm. Susan Willis as Irene Terwilliger. And I also mentioned name. that it has Ron Rifkin from yes. Alias, which is what threw yeah. me so much. I think there's one other... Um, David Ogden Steers, I think, is also in it, who you'd, you'd recognize from other things. He's the voice of Cogsworth in uh, Beauty and the Beast, oh, for example. Oh, okay. But, yeah. All right. So give us some plot synopsis. What okay, happens some plot in synopsis. The Majestic? So this guy, Peter Appleton, okay. is a movie script writer. Yeah. And he gets accused of being a communist because, you know. It's the times. What are you going to do? It's the times. What are you going to do? do? (laughs) And so he and his, like, stuffed animal monkey thing. Yes, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Driving up the coast of California in this car. Yeah. It starts downpouring rain and he, like, gets in an an accident that it's very improbable you would survive. True. Yeah. But he survives. Yeah. But as a consequence of this, he doesn't remember anything. Yeah. So he washes up in this small town and starts talking to people and they're trying to help him out. And one of the kind of older-ish guys there recognizes him and says, oh, you're Luke. You're my son. Yeah. And so he's like, I am? Am I? Yeah. And so most of the movie is kind of that of him like getting to know people and exploring, you know, kind of making a new life. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of goes how you would expect. You know, he remembers the people who accused him of being commies show up. Everything goes down. Yeah. But it has a satisfactory ending, yeah. I would say. Yeah, and it's uh, the majestic is the title of the movie theater in the small town that the father and the son had sort of run together, and so when when Jim Carrey comes in his. Uh, you know, expected to be the son, the father's like, we're going to open the Majestic again. And that's sort of the, uh, uh, that's a thread that kind of holds yeah. through. Like opening the Majestic sort of gives them purpose and helps them build a relationship and everything like that. Very nice small town. Feels very like 1950s Frank Capra kind of mm-hmm. vibe. Interesting that we both chose like period pieces. I know. You know? Without any idea that we were doing That's right. It. Yeah. So what did you think? What did you I think really of it? I really enjoyed it. Did you? I was like watching it and at first I was like, what even? Because it, it's like, Kind yeah. of funny at parts, but yeah. at other parts, it's like more like, I don't know, yeah. kind of played straight. And so I was like, I don't quite know what's going on here. Yeah. But like, it's one that like, again, about half an hour in, I was like, I can see exactly where this is going to go. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I thought the story was just kind of like sweet and yeah. very satisfying. And so I was like. Yeah. W- watching it and you have the amnesia thing and he's mistaken to be this guy. Yeah, I mean, the hammer's going to drop, obviously. It's you like, know, I've watched you know movies before. I, I know how this works. Did it ever cross your mind that maybe he really was It the did. Son? Because there's that bit where his dad figure is talking with, I think it's like the doctor in the town yeah. or something, and he's like, he's been gone for like almost a decade. Yeah. So the timeline in terms of when the war ended, because that's why he was gone right, missing in the right. first place. Like, there has to have been things that happened in between, so he could have just started an entirely new life somewhere right, else. Right. And I was like, wait, did he start an entirely... <laughs> yeah, when is the amnesia? Oh, when, when is, is the that? amnesia? Yeah. What's going on? 
Yeah. And so, especially because he mentions just offhand really early in the movie, he's like, oh yeah, I went to college right after the war on the GI Bill. Yeah. And so I was like, could he have come back from the war, right. not knowing who he was, right. going to college and just... Yeah. It doesn't seem like that's the case based yeah. on no, I don't think how so. things go later. I don't think so. But it and was th- very interesting yeah. to think about. Yeah. I think it dangles a little bit out there. There's a romance, too, obviously. He had, like, this childhood sweetheart, and she's on the fence about whether or not it's him, and that's sort of something that goes throughout. Um, I liked the bit about the piano. Yeah. Remember where he, uh, they get up, and they're like, oh, you're a great piano player. Go and do it. You'll be great. And he's like, I don't remember. I I do not know how to play the piano. I can't do that. Just, like, thinking about that, I'm like, shivers. And so he goes, and he, he sits at the piano, and he plays, like, like ragtime like he plays a big like a real bopping kind of number and people a lot of people are like oh it's him but who is it I assume... his piano teacher yes. is like i never taught you this this isn't how you treat lish yeah you know yeah there's kind of a sense there that like well he couldn't really have played that right. kind of piano like he could play classical or whatever um i just found this movie to be so pleasant you know mm. and like i i watched this like as a 17 year old and in 2001 the Jim Carrey that everybody like wanted and expected was like hot on the heels of like like as I said, Ace Ventura, mm-hmm. The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Liar Liar, like mm-hmm. the nineties, like those big four movies were you know, not that they're different performances, but they're they go for the same kind of like Makes sense. laughs yeah. and mm-hmm. the physical comedy and everything. And so to see him step out in something like this, I'm pretty sure this was a colossal bomb. You know, I don't, it's... That's, see, when I was looking up facts, it was like, yeah, it didn't do that great in the box office, though The Fellowship of the Ring and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out around the same time. time. So, I mean, that's a rough rough time. Yeah, it is. And apparently critics were also not the most, like, enthused. But I'm like, why? It was just so nice. I know. Like... It's it's a very unusual, especially, like, for movies of that time. I can't think of a lot of movies that went for that nostalgic sort of pleasant vibe, you know, Mm -hmm. like... But now, I mean, you see that all the time. Like, the Fablemans just won, you know, the Golden Globe for Best Picture and stuff. Like, they're, I feel like the nostalgia wave there was, like, just, like, coming out of the 90s, like, we weren't mm-hmm. there. You know what I mean? People weren't doing that yet. Yeah. You know? And so, maybe if had it been made, like, 10 years earlier or 10 years later, it would have landed, you know, differently. And I would also not have been competing with The Fellowship of the Ring. Anyway. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That is a rough time. Yeah, and I think like a... Ocean's Eleven also was coming out mm. at the same time. Yep, that's it's a rough that's ride. a hard time. That's a hard time all around. But I think he's just really good in it. There's a scene later on. I mean, I guess well, this is a bit of a spoiler, uh, so be warned. Spoilers! Spoilers! But when when the memory comes back, when um, you see you see the movie that he wrote, mm-hmm. and his reaction to like seeing this movie that he wrote up on the screen and having the memories kind of like, cause by that point he had almost accepted that he was this guy. And he was pretty happy with his life. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Either he'd accepted that he was or accepted that like, he was like, well, this is fine. This is where I'm at now, you know? And so to see him kind of transform back into that character, I feel like was just really strong acting, you know, just like his facial expressions and just you could kind of see the, mm-hmm. both the relief and the, oh no, of it mm-hmm. all, you know, I think uh, was a pretty big deal. The the ending, which I won't spoil, is a little cutesy. I mean, it's a little idealized, you know, I don't really know that relationships and things would have worked that way. I think there's just too much baggage and weirdness to like just go forward, but I accepted it for the kind of movie that it was. I feel like 
anything else would have just been disappointing. You know? Yeah. Well, I feel like it's the kind of thing that it's like, with time and conversation, you could get to the point where relationships can keep going, but yeah. it was very kind of like, off yeah. we go, yeah. which I feel like, it's a movie. You yeah. know, like, what are you going to do? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I yeah. wasn't sure how you'd feel. Uh, I feel like if you haven't seen The Truman Show, I think you'd like that quite a bit, too. Okay. Do you know what that is? I am loosely familiar. Okay. I mean, the concept of that is that Jim Carrey is unwittingly the star of a TV series that films 24-7 of his life. And it's just on all the time. And he's in, everybody around him is actors. And he's in, like, a closed, like, domed studio that they, that's massive. And uh, it's he starts to slowly put things together and, you know, then it takes a turn. But that's another one that's, um, you know, if you're expecting funny Jim Carrey, you're not going to get it. And it's a more contemplative kind of story, you know? So I think you would dig that probably more than you would like, like liar, liar or something like that. I don't know how nineties comedy would work on you. I don't know. We haven't <laughs> well, maybe really we'll tried. find out. <laughs> maybe we'll find out on, but have you tried? <laughs> oh, well, I feel like we successfully picked movies for each other. We did. So that's something. We did good today. Uh, from different, almost exactly 20 years apart were these movies, which is pretty much where we are age-wise, which is funny. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, yeah, so so as, as we t- talked about last time, how, how it's going to work, we're going to be phasing out the, the house things uh, set up here, and, the, and this feed will stay active for a while, but um, we'll have new links and everything for you to subscribe but to, but have you tried? Uh, and that's going to be coming soon, so keep an eye out for that. You can watch our social media, uh, All the Book Show on Twitter, or D.A. Howe Library on Twitter, and David A. Howe Public Library on Facebook. We'll make it very clear, and we'll put some in the feed here, so we'll give you plenty of notice on, on how to switch over, but uh, we hope you'll pop over to the new feed. We've We've got, I've got a lot of things in my mind that we could talk about. And today we purposely chose, like, let's just do movies. But that's not the plan going forward. The plan going forward is anything and Anything's everything. Anything's fair game. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be like, Allie could be like, you have to watch Inspector Morse. And I could be like, you have to try Jones Soda. You know, like, it could be anything. Have you ever tried Jones Soda? I don't think so. <laughs> the Nor 90s. Nor have I watched Inspector Morse. <laughs> oh, you haven't? I don't think so. Inspector Lewis? Have you watched any of those? I don't think so. Wow. That seems like a Steve family show to me, but no. You guys, do you guys not do Murder Mystery? We do. That's BBC. Like, it's a BBC. Wait, is it the, like, Endeavor Morse? Is that the one Yeah, it about? is. Okay, it yes. Is. That I have seen. Okay. Have you just seen Endeavor? Yes. Okay. So That's there's all like, I've seen. Endeavor. So there's, like, Inspector Morse, which went for, like, decades. Okay. And then there was a spin-off of that Inspector Lewis. Lewis was like his junior partner. Okay. And then Lewis takes on like the lead role and that ran for like many like 7 or 8 series and then Endeavor is like a prequel to all of that. Gotcha. So you know the universe. Anyway. Okay, okay. Yeah. Endeavor I really enjoyed. Oh, okay. I I've actually good. I wanted to give that one a try, so maybe I will. I recommend. Maybe I will. So anyway, we're going to be throwing random things at each other and uh, we're going to see what happens cuz I we're not going to like them all. Today was nice cuz we Today both liked the things, but some but yeah. some episodes are going to be painful. So and there will be so many more opportunities to see your soul leave your body when you realize that I haven't seen any Jim Carrey that's movies. That's true. Woo. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in to How's Things and our little uh, secret pilot here. But, yes. For, but have you tried. See you next time, everybody. Bye.